Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. And I'm just charged to get to worship the Lord with you all and share this message. If you see in sermon notes, we are in a study of the book of Daniel called Unshakable. And today we want to talk about how to remain unshakable when life seems to fall apart. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like the rug got pulled out from under you? That all of a sudden you looked around and what you had hoped for just seems to have fallen apart. Uh, You don't know how to put it together. It just like, oh no. I'll never forget just when I was kind of a, a young, very young Christian and I had a best friend named David Swearingen, and he and I were like do everything together, and we were like going to go into missions together, and actually his, his girlfriend was best friends with Sharon, <laughs> and it was just, it was just, we were, the, we were just a team, and, and one day he got the devastating news that he was in a car accident and he died. And I, I was just, I just said, it all fell apart. And you know, as a young Christian, it's like, well, how can I trust in God? Why would he let this happen? And, and, and it was just, it was shattering for a 19-year-old. And I know that the same kind of thing is happening to people all across this room. And it could be the loss of someone you love. It could be a bankruptcy, a divorce, a, a health crisis, a, a family uh, breakup, uh, there's so many things that come into life, right? And, and, and it's sometimes, no matter how much we're trying to do the right thing, it's like, wow, it just, it just fell apart. It just collapsed. But we want to learn today how to be unshakable. And, and I love this verse in Psalm 125, and we're going to just declare today, the secret is the power of trust, what I call unconditional trust in God. Look what it says. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. They're like the Oregon Mountains. A lot has come and gone, but those mountains, they are still here. And we talked last week in the beginning about Daniel. And, and, and here this young teenager, his homeland is invaded at 15 or 16. He's kidnapped to Babylon. He goes over there and everything in his life, he'll never see his parents again. If you go, I don't know if you've noticed the first four chapters. I hope you're reading through it. And it's like, he's like a punching bag. I mean, boom, exile. Second one we're going to read today. You know, he he's, gets the news. You're about to be executed because the king had a dream and he can't remember what it is. And nobody's told him. And if someone doesn't tell him, everybody's dead. Wow. You know, and then next chapter, fiery furnace, and you're going to burn. And the next chapter, hungry lions, and you're about to be eaten. And yet, instead of being devastated, he thrives. I mean, in, in, a, in an exile land, he becomes the chief officer. He, he stands fast. He doesn't bow to the idols. And he is a part of the greatest miracle, leading this people back to Israel later, just by his prayers. And so we've been saying, what was it about Daniel? What did he learn? What could we learn so that we could be unshakable in the times that we live in? 
We said last week that the enemy is especially coming to try to attack two things. One, to get us to move from commitment to compromise. And number two, to experience calamities that would get us to hopelessness. Um, And the way that he comes, it's not just through the outward things, but it's through the lies. You see, if you want to know what is the point of the warfare, the spiritual warfare, the Bible calls it a fight of faith. You see, there's one question, uh, Luke 18, 8 says, that Jesus is asking about the end of the world, end time. He says, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? When this pandemic is over, what will God find in your heart? Faith or fear? Why, Why is everything about beliefs? Why? Because your beliefs determine your behavior. If your beliefs are right, you're going you're gonna to be all right. So the devil doesn't come with a red suit and a pitchfork and throwing bombs. He comes with lies. He comes as an angel of light. And we talked about it last week, if you didn't hear it, but we just talked about how he, he tried to get them to compromise, to give up their identity as believers, to eat at the Babylonian buffet, <laughs> And, and corrupt their values. How many know today the, the world is trying to, to get you sucked in to giving up absolute truth? And have you noticed that good people can believe bad lies? Some of our heroes in sports and movie stars, they're good, but they, 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 they drank the Kool-Aid. You know, they, they took in this thing. They said, you know... We don't believe in the Bible today. And, and you know, the morality, stay faithful to, to your husband and wife. You, you know, you've got to be happy. And you, are you kidding me? Don't, don't go into excess in the party world. Don't, you know, don't give in to just being popular. Just, you've got to just do you more. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, we start lowering our guard. And pretty soon we're not sure if we believe all of this God stuff anymore. After all, it's not very popular. And and slowly we do what Esau in the Bible says. He he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. He, He gave up what he could have been, the destiny God had for his life. He compromised. And he just he just became one of the world. And you can't change the world if you are the world. So you just become a part of this world, and you live in its same moods and and compromises. But we learned last week that Daniel took a stand. He says, "I, I believe the word of God. I stand. And we said, when you stand up, God shows up. And he saw an amazing thing. Now, now the other lies have to do with hopeless. That's what we want to talk about today. When times are hard, calamities happen. When things don't go the way they're supposed to. It's so easy to go from hope to hopeless and to lose our faith that way. To become, can I tell you what the devil wants you to become? He wants you to, to become someone who's like a stunned, numb zombie just going through life. Oh, I'm beat. I'm defeated. I have no hope anymore. And he uses all kinds of lies during these hard times and he wants to just rob us and suck the hope out of us. But I want you to know something. 
that Jesus is here to give you hope. A hope that makes you like Mount Zion. When, when life hits you the hardest, you don't move. You're like that. You know, you're like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. I love it. He says, when we get knocked down, we don't get knocked out. When we are persecuted, when we are perplexed, we are not forsaken. When we are turned away, we are still loved by God. We are the beach ball. When it's put at the bottom of the pool, we still come to the top. Because greater is he that is in us. God can give you that kind of power of the Holy Spirit. We said our call in many ways like Daniel is to live as exiles, pilgrims, or outliers. Did you know the Bible says you're an alien? That explains a lot of things. Never mind, we'll go there. But you, you're not from this planet. I'm sorry. Your citizenship is in heaven. You've got to know this. This isn't home. This is just a stopover. You are not here to get comfortable. Can I tell you, if you're radical for Jesus, you're never going to be comfortable and popular. Can I just tell you? But you are going to make a difference. So what do you want to do? Do you want to try to make this cheap world your home? I love what one brother said. He says, life here is like a long night in a cheap hotel. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. You know, and, and the coffee's bad. But the good news is we're going home tomorrow. Hallelujah. The good news is this is not our home. And don't make it your home or you're going to be a miserable person. You're just passing through. And you're here for a purpose. You're here to change the world. That's the only reason you're here. Otherwise, Jesus would rather have you with him right now. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.11. Let's look at this. 1 Peter 2.11. This is a core verse. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. See what he's saying? And that's what Daniel and his friends were. They were, they were exiles, but they lived a heavenly life in a dark world. And what happened? Kings came to God. <laughs> they brought revival. When people see you full of hope, they're going to ask you, I don't get it. How can you have hope? And you're going to get to show them a better life. Jesus, he loves you. He'll help you. Life doesn't have to just be one tragedy after. You can have hope. You can be the salt and light. And so one of the key ways we remain unshakable and overcome is not only to refuse to compromise our convictions, but to stand in trust when calamity hits with disappointment and loss. Here's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Notice what it says. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Tell somebody, trouble is normal in this world, okay? <laughs> Don't be surprised, okay? But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, being an exile doesn't mean you get out of trouble. Jesus didn't say, 
you know, if you, when I walk around the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. When you walk through it, I will be with you. The fire, we're going to see it. It won't burn you. It'll burn the, the ropes off of you. And you won't even smell like smoke after it. Because I will be with you. I will be with you. Can I tell you right now, in the most dark moments of your life, if you trust him, you will actually experience his presence in the deepest way. Job, after all the hell he went through, he said in Job 42, 5, he says, before I had heard of you, uh, before I had seen you, I've heard of you, but now I have seen you. He said, in other words, before I had sort of an idea, but now I know God because he met me in the fire. I know him. He's my God. And the key is this word trust. And what I'm talking about today is what I call unconditional trust. It's not, God, I trust you if you do what I hope you will do. <laughs> but God, I trust you. The word trust, we say sometimes just, it means to let go and let God. It means I don't understand. I don't even know why. But it's okay. I believe you are wise, sovereign. Charles Spurgeon said, when I can't see his hand, I, I still trust his heart. I know he's with me. And you don't, you don't know if you trust God until your life falls apart. Because before you're just trusting what you have thought life was. And, but in those times, he tests us. Just like little kids, you know, your, your, your parents knew better than you, right? They ask you to do things like get shots. You say, you don't love me anymore, whatever. <laughs> they, they corrected. You didn't understand. I remember when I was five years old, we lived by a public swimming pool, and they caught me at night trying to climb over the fence to go swimming. And they said, stop. You can. I said, why not? Why can't five-year-olds go swimming on their own? I don't understand. <laughs> Someday when you get to the Lord, all those times, I didn't understand. I know, but I, I was there because I'm your father. And it's just, you just come and you, and the word trust means, it just means I'm going to rest in you. There was a missionary trying to interpret a word in a, in a tribal language, and he couldn't find the right word for trust. And this, this runner who is delivering a message, comes into the compound and, and exhausted. He falls on this mattress. And he says, oh, I know the meaning. I know how to define the word trust. It means to throw yourself on God's mercy. To just surrender. Say, God, I trust you. I rely completely on you. God, you're with me. What you know about trust, when you really trust God, you're not holding on to God anymore. He's holding on to you. You're in the palm of his hand. You're not even trying. You're, you're, you're resting because he's holding you. He's with you. So I just want to give you, see if we can get there, but, but just five ways to move from trauma to trust. So ultimately you can move to triumph. And what I want to say today, and it's just so amazing, is that not only does God give you peace, but God never wastes a tear. 
Every time Daniel gets pummeled, at the end, he gets promoted. I don't know how this works. When he goes through the worst, God redeems it. How many know that the darkest night begins somehow to become a new beginning with God? He always causes things to work together for good to those who love him. In the middle of it, you don't see it. But there, there is never, someone said, your extremity is God's opportunity. Somehow. And I can give you so many examples of that. You know, I was just thinking of a couple of our pastors, and uh, Fred and Rochelle and Thomas and Val, and they've given their testimonies way back when I first, both of them went through a devastating divorce. And I, I just remember how heartbroken I was there with them. And and then today I see what God's done and they're, they're remarrying the most amazing spouses and God is using. I'm saying, wow, God, you turned ashes into beauty. That's what you do. My sister Janie, her 12-year-old son, 26 years ago, suddenly died of a heart attack. You know, it was just the most awful day. And yet they started a ministry called Charlie's Lunch. Over 10 million kids have been fed in memory of Charlie today. And, and God, he redeems the broken things in our life. If you stay with him, if you trust him, it's not the, ever the end of the story. You may not understand why, but you will understand a purpose that he will use that for in his own time. So here's five ways. Number one, refuse to let the lies of fear and hopelessness steal your faith in God. Psalms 27, 13, David said, I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord. He says, when I went through the crushing in my life, I would have just collapsed. But I decided to believe. Now let me just talk to you about that. Overcoming trials and traumas doesn't mean you don't feel the sorrow doesn't mean you don't feel the brokenness and the grief and the pain. You're not, we're not immune. It, it may take years emotionally sometimes to recover from grief. And one of the things the Bible teaches us, it says that Jesus was acquainted with sorrow. That he knew the feelings of our infirmity. Do you remember in the garden he said, Lord, I am so devastated. I don't feel any hope. Even Jesus, why? Because don't forget, Jesus was not only the victor, he's not only the rescuer, he was the victim. He was betrayed, he was crushed. He only got to live 33 years on this earth. He, in every way, felt the worst that any of us have ever felt. And he did it on purpose. So you would know that in that darkest moment, he's... There. And he really does know. He really does understand. And his Holy Spirit is with you. And he comforts us. And part of that comfort is, is preparing us for things we don't understand. But he's with us. One of the things I'm so thankful I want to just mention, we have a grief recovery group and on Wednesdays here at 5. And we have seen God do amazing things. One testimony, a, a couple that literally was divorced and, and through the grief and all that and, and, and God did something and healed their marriage and brought them back together. Others who for years couldn't celebrate holidays, but God has restored them. God heals the broken heart, friend. 
And I just encourage you, don't go through stuff like that alone, but, but let God put those pieces. And, and it's incredible when you have friends around you that can help you in those ways. But what is so powerful is that though we go through sorrow, unconditional trust means that we choose to take a stand and trust God in that sorrow no matter what. One of the most powerful verses, Daniel 3, 17, if we could look at it, in the third chapter, they're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace if they don't bow to the idols. And, and I love what, what, uh, what the, the Hebrew boys say. These guys are just so incredible. He says, they tell the king to his face, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, say this with me, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know what they were saying? Because some of you have been there. Lord, you could heal me, but even if you don't, I'm going to trust you. God, I am not going to let hopelessness take over my life. Because I know that won't be the end of this story. How many know the real story is that we are temporary people heading for a permanent place. And the sorrows of this world do not compare with what's awaiting us. And if we stand... God is going to redeem us here or give us victory there. I want to just read a, a short testimony. This is Isaiah Dorado. Uh, this is one of our young adults. One of, hey, there's Isaiah. Stand up, Isaiah. Thank you for that. I want you to see who gave this to him. Way to go, Isaiah. My name is Isaiah, and I've been tending Heart for the World since 2019. I've grown much in the Lord here. And he's given me many opportunities to act out in faith and allowed me a place to serve him and others. I found Jesus in 2016, and since then the Lord has taken me on an incredible journey with him. He's enriched my life, given me purpose, and taught me how to depend on him. It's not been easy by any means, but I've learned Jesus always remains faithful to you. And what he desires for, for, from you is to spend time with him so he can strengthen your faith and give you peace no matter what the circumstance. In late November, around Thanksgiving this year, my family suffered from COVID. Almost everyone in my immediate family tested positive except for me. It was a very difficult time as my having to travel to Carlsbad to spend Thanksgiving with my roommate and his family since I didn't really have any immediate family to spend it with. My grandpa, the owner of the family business, ended up in the hospital on a ventilator during this time. After over a week in the hospital, my grandpa passed away. It was very hard hit to my family and came as a huge shock to everyone. My mom called me around 1.30 in the morning, bawling her eyes out, saying that grandpa had passed an hour before. It was a moment I'll never forget. And after I got off the phone with her, I went into prayer immediately. The Lord then showed me a vision of heaven in my grandpa. I saw my grandpa walking through these huge and beautiful gates of heaven. As he walked in, I heard the Lord tell me, he's safe with me now. It was such a beautiful picture of what God wants us all to know one day. 
that we will enter the safety of eternity with him. My, my grandpa and I shared a very special bond. We were both same of some of the only Christians in our family. And I had constant reassurance from the Lord that my grandpa was with him because of his unshakable faith in Jesus and that I would join there someday. In the funeral, I got to share scriptures and share the gospel with all of my extended family. It was a beautiful service. And the Lord was there. Since then, there's been division in my family. There's a lot of deceit. There's accusations, greediness. There's so much pressure and finger pointing. And the enemy has tried to get me discouraged again. He's attacked my finances, my emotional state, relationships with my friends, and tried to push me into depression and tried to use my family as a tool. Amidst all of this, the pressure and the anxiety, I, I felt like I was being put down. But in the middle of it, Jesus remained faithful. He sustained me. I learned whenever I felt that pressure to run to him, and at his feet, reading his word, worshiping and prayer, the Lord's strength would come. And peace would return and depression would leave. He is our strength and through him we can endure anything. Psalm 191 says, whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High, the Lord will be their refuge and no harm will overtake you and disaster will not destroy you. Through this pandemic and everything, I have found Jesus faithful in spite of my circumstances. He will give us power in the pressure. The Lord is our shield, and he gives us hope. Amen. Thank you. Way to go, Isaiah. Beautiful. So number one, don't let fear rob you of your faith or hopelessness. Number two, Choose, in spite of all of that, to trust God's promises and to believe and live in hope in spite of what's going around you. In, uh, in, if I could read this verse in, in Daniel 2, 27. What, what, God, what Daniel did in spite of all of this, he believed God would do miracles. Can I tell you, to get through what we're going, we're not only going to have trust, sometimes we're going to need miracles, Amen. Don't quit asking for miracles. Don't quit. God has miracles. <laughs> and so when nobody knew how to interpret the king's dream, because nobody knew the king's dream, Daniel said, I believe. And then Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God. Say it with me. But there is a God. Every time you see tragedy, say, but there is a God. God, who reveals mysteries, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come, and Daniel interpreted the dream, and God honored him. Can I tell you, God wants us to live in hope. What, what happens in dark times, people who stay unshaken, they stand on promises. You know, there's 2,000 promises in the Bible, and there's a promise for whatever you're going through. It's interesting that at this very time, back in Jerusalem, while Daniel and his friends are in, in, in Babylon, there's a prophet named Jeremiah. And, and God's giving him prophetic words. And he's somehow sending them, I don't know what they had to send it by. But Daniel hears about these promises. 
Daniel hears, hey, Daniel, God is going to bring you guys back from Babylon someday. It seems impossible. But they begin to say, God, you promised this. There's a bigger story. God, you're with us. And that began to bring hope. One of the prophets, Zechariah, says it this way. He says, he says, oh, you prisoners of hope. And I just, I just love this idea. Be a prisoner of hope. It's like chain yourself to hope. I'm sorry, I can't help but hope. Because God has promised that he would be with me. Lift your faith up and, and say, God, I don't see it right now. But there is something you're doing. There is a way that you're moving that, that I don't understand, but Lord, your word still stands true. You will cause all things to work together for good because I love you. God, you are faithful. Lord, you said when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're gonna do something miraculous that rises and, and, and completely turns this situation. God, I'm gonna believe you now. How many know we need hope in these times? We need to become hopeful. In fact, in Jeremiah, one of the promises, and we speak it a lot, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know my plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope in the future. Why don't we show that verse? I think we should all say it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Let's go ahead and start over and make it personal, okay? For I know the plans God has for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Wow. Hallelujah. Become prisoners of hope. Believe. Hey, the story's not over. God's with us in this life. And so, number one, refuse to battle fear. Number two, claim the promises of God. Number three, choose to focus and magnify the greatness of God in the middle of the problem instead of the bigness of the problem. In your notes, I said there are two kinds of people, those who look at the problem in the light of God and those who look at God in the light of the problem. Some people, when life is hard, all they see is how big that problem is. They become overwhelmed by it. They become devastated. God, this is too big. This is impossible. But other people in the middle of it don't look at how big the problem is. Look at how big their God is. And begin to worship and praise him. Look at how Daniel does this in uh, Daniel 12. 220 through 23. He's, he's about to say, you're about to be executed. Here's his response. Don't you love this? Praise be to the name of God forever. How's that? Next time someone says, hey, the cartel just came in. They got a gun to your head. You're about to be dead. Praise be to the name of God forever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. I want to just tell you, as I said last week, 
Those who build their life on an understanding of what the Bible says, they will not fall. And if you study the Bible, the most important thing it tells you is who God is. I have a quote in your notes. This quote I've, I've looked at a thousand times. A.W. Tozer wrote it, and it's, it's, it's just been one of, my, one of the most str- strengthening thoughts. It says, A low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, whereas a high view of God is the cure of, to a thousand ills. What comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. It will define how you meet every challenge you face. If you don't have an adequate view of who God is, the world will destroy you. (laughs) But if you know, as Daniel did, wait a second, my God is good even when life is bad. My God is sovereign. He controls the outcome. The whole book of Daniel is he raises up kingdoms and he puts them down. One king rises, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's all of that, but God like this says, tomorrow, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be eating grass like a cow. This, this leader, this enemy comes up, all God has to do is blink and they're gone. Putin says he's going to do all this. Putin, God's going to have the final say. Whoever it is who comes and rises in power, those who know their God, Know that his word will stand forever. He creates the perimeters of what the enemy can do. He does not allow the enemy to go beyond what he already decided the outcome will be. Your life may be chaos, but the Bible says if you are trusting God, if you're living your purpose. I remember this picture as a kid. We had this motorhome, and we would ride in the back. There six kids, and we would be in chaos, but my dad was driving. And I remember the Lord says, there's chaos in the world, but Jesus is driving the bus. You're going to end up somewhere. He's going to make sure your life, he's going to do what he did for Joseph. When Joseph was traded off into slavery, he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God has a plan. God sent me here. You didn't send me here. God sent me here, and he's going to use it for good because I believe God has the final word. He is in charge. He is in control. He is our Savior, our Deliverer. Do you know who your God is? And when you, when you see him, I remember another verse that just blew my mind. Another quote, E. Stanley Jones, this missionary, he, he wrote this. He says, I believe that every person's circumstance and event that comes into my life, God has planned and will use it for the unfolding of his perfect plan. That's why the Bible says, give thanks no matter what happens. I remember as a young Christian, this blew my mind because I had a terrible problem. And this person had left our group and was turning from God. And they were saying bad things about me. And I said, God, what do I do about this problem? He said, I want you just to start praising me because I'm going to use this for good. But God, I don't see any good in this. But the moment I said, God, everything that happens is a part of a perfect plan in my life that you will ultimately use for good. So instead of living in despair, I praise you that somehow you're gonna move. God, I thank you for this problem. That very day, I'll never forget, this person called me and we talked and and God healed that situation. But you know what I found out? You change the atmosphere by your faith. What is dark and cloudy suddenly changes and all of a sudden, things happen Miracles start to flow. Why? Because you looked at God instead of just at your problems. 
If I could give you one, one just advice today, go home today and say, God, I thank you for the good. I thank you for what you're doing in the bad. I thank you for the people who like me. I thank you for the people who hate my guts. I thank you for the fun I've had. I thank you for the misery because in all of it, you are God. And I believe you will turn this for good in Jesus' name. And you watch God start to change things in every atmosphere of your life. It'll start to change. It's the word of the Lord. I love the story of this little guy, Billy's looking through a, a telescope next door at the bully that's been bugging him. And his mom comes and notices that he's looking through the wrong end of the telescope. <laughs> and says, hey, Billy, why are, you, why are you looking through that end? He says, well, my enemy looks a lot smaller from this end. <laughs> How many know when you look in the light of God, the devil looks a lot smaller? This problem looks a lot smaller. You just need to get your perspective right. Real quick, the last two. They not only refused to bow to fear, they claimed the promises of God. They got a bigger picture of how great God is. Number four, they let their faith be sustained and strengthened by their furnace friends. In Daniel 2.17, every time Daniel heard bad news, he called his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Every time crisis struck, those four bonded together. He never went through a crisis alone. And I just, I just tell you this every week because I love you. You won't make it through this pandemic in victory by your faith alone. You need to partner with the faith of people who believe God. It's like the log in the fire. One log is gonna fizzle, but you get three logs together. You see, when, when you have a faith friend, they multiply your faith and they divide your fear. <laughs> they subtract it. They, they somehow, some of you don't have enough faith for what you're going What You know what? You can borrow mine. You can borrow Irma's. You don't have to have enough faith, but you have to have people who say, I am with you in this fire. We are not going to go through this alone. And the moment you come together, God begins to do all sorts of things because you're not trying to handle it. You and your family aren't enough. You need outside believers who say, I know it's hard, but God is with us. And they just pray, and it changes everything. And so finally, not only do we need to refuse to bow to fear, we need to claim the promise of God. We need to choose to focus on how great it is. We need furnace friends, but number five, we need to expect and cooperate with God that he is going to do something amazing that we have not seen. He is going to turn this trauma into a triumph. Can I tell you, as we see in every story in Daniel, God was up to something. Can I tell you, every time a door closes, God's opening a window. Every time there's a rejection, I say, God's got a protection. There's some reason that happened. God is always at work. Sometimes it's to, to, so that a greater miracle than you ever dreamed would happen. Sometimes it's so that God can show you that he can provide for you, even when you don't have a way to provide for yourself. Sometimes it's to show you that he is the God who heals people. Sometimes it's to show you that you're not supposed to lean on your own understanding. 
that he's gonna give you a word that's so out of touch with what you thought, but when you follow God instead of your own opinion, your life gets better. Maybe it's going to be that when you are in a place where you feel so alone, it's going to be the first time that you really wait on God deeply and you come to know him. How many know sometimes you have to go through trouble to come back and get your life back with God the way it's supposed to be? Sometimes God's correcting you and he's saying, you see, you would have kept going in that direction, but this made you stop and now I've got a new direction. Sometimes it's, it's to, to change your plans, like Joseph never thought he was going to end up in Egypt. But God says, no, no, I was sending you there. See, I'm going to use you to save your family because you had to come here instead of go there. Sometimes it's just, it's just to show you that you can nev- never have to fear. By the end, Daniel is, is so strong because he says, God brought me through that. He brought me through that. He brought me through that. He was with me. God was with me in my, in my darkest hour. That time, this time, he's going to be with me again. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm going to stand up for God. Sometimes it's so that you can help somebody else who's going through that pain and you would have never been able to help them had you not gone through this. And God's saying, I'm always working. I'm always working. Now ask me what I'm doing. And watch me turn this situation for good. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I just want to ask you to bow your heads as we close. And I felt like I had a word the Lord wanted to speak just for us to respond to today. God is inviting me, he's inviting us to radical, unconditional trust, to completely let go of the hurt, the pain that we don't understand, to raise our vision to who he is today. The psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. To help us in our spirit say, you know what, I'm not going to bow to this fear. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to trust God. Some of you, it's God, you're going to send people into my life and we're going to stand together. And God, we're going to see you work. But what I felt is for some of you, he wants to reestablish your trust somewhere, your trust in God. Maybe you've been so misused by people, it's hard for you to trust God. And he's saying, I'm going to help you. I want to help you get your trust back. I felt specifically someone here, you went through a very devastating thing recently. And somehow you began to be disillusioned. And you're still, you know, you're still outwardly a Christian, but your heart isn't there the way it used to be. It's hard and it's, it's, it's just, I, I just can't fully be with God right now because my heart is too wounded. And the Lord is saying, if you'll bring your heart to him, he'll heal you. He'll give you the ability to trust him again. He'll give you hope back in your life. For some of you, it's to find God, maybe for the first time and say, I, am, I, I have a great need today to have a relationship with God that I haven't really been looking for in my past 
But today I'd like a relationship. I'd like God to forgive my sins. I'd like to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I'd like to know that whatever happens, God's going to take care of me. And the Bible teaches us that faith is a decision. It's a choice that you make. You may not feel a lot when you make it, but eventually it changes everything. And I want to invite all of us today to make a choice of trust. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, could I invite you to make that decision? That's where it all begins. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and and you'll believe that He is Lord in control, you'll be saved. You'll, You'll have your name written in heaven. You'll be forgiven of your sins. I wonder if there's someone right now, I'm just gonna invite you to pray right where you are. You don't have to come up front. You don't have to do anything. But you would say, Pastor, I want to agree with you in prayer. I want Jesus to know that today I'm agreeing that I want Jesus. I want his forgiveness, and I want him in my life. And if that's, if that's you and that's your desire, would you just, just, just slip up your hand and put it down? Say, that's me, Pastor. I'm, I need that. I need it. Thank you so much, brother. That's just awesome. Thank you. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose again. I accept you into my life today to really be Lord and boss of me. Forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So thankful for that. Let's just give the Lord a hand for that ones who have accepted him right now. Let's all just stand, closing prayer. I wonder how many would just say, today I just need my trust restored in God. I want to go from conditional trust to unconditional. I just give, I give my total trust. God help me. Let go of my questions. Let go of my, my struggles to trust you. And God help me today to unconditionally say no matter what happens I trust you I'm depending on you in Jesus name and again as we close we're going to have friends up here prayer teams and maybe you just need some, some more help with your faith we would love to add our faith to yours and pray for you Lord Jesus I bless your people as they go just take us deeper in our faith, in our trust this week, as we build it on your word. We thank you, Father, that you've been faithful to us again and again, and you will be faithful to the end. And that as we trust in you, we shall be as Mount Zion that shall not be moved. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. And again, we'll be here if any would like prayer. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. 
May God bless you richly.